Let's turn in our Gospels now to the Gospel of John, verses 17 through 44, as we continue in our series, The Jesus We Need. Uh, This is not the uh, Discovery Channel Jesus. This is not the cover of Newsweek magazine Jesus. This is the one who can speak for himself right here in the Gospel of John. This is the one who loves us. This is the one we can put our trust in. And so let's pray. Lord, as we come to this incredible passage about the raising of Lazarus, would you just lift our hearts to trust you? And would you increase our faith? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 11, verses 17 through 44. Now, when Jesus came... He found that Lazarus had already been dead for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. And the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher is here, and he is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went out to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when Jesus, and when, when the Jews who were there with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise up so quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come also were weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? She said to them, to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he who opened the eyes of the blind man also not have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, 
For he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around so that they may believe you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The word of the Lord. Three things I want us to look at today from this passage. I want us to talk about trusting the Lord with his timing. Trust him with his timing. Trust him with your heart. And finally, trust Him with your very life. Trust Him with His timing, trust Him with your heart, and trust Him with your life. This has a lot to do with timing. We we are to trust Him in His timing. You know, sometimes the Lord waits. Have you ever noticed we never accuse God of being early? He waits, and, and the reason He waits, we find out in this text is to build our faith. And He always has His reasons. And we need to trust Him. In verse 4, earlier in this whole thing about Lazarus getting sick and them learning in time enough for Him to get there and save Lazarus from death, in verse 4 He says, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. He's going to wait for a purpose, and it's going to be the glory of God. It's going to be so people can see Him for who He really is, and He can be glorified. And our, our, our passage today starts with this issue of trusting the Lord's timing. The words, four days, have a real significance here. Four days. Verse 17, now when Jesus came, He found that Lazarus had been in the tomb... Four days. And you're like, what is the deal with four days? Why did he wait four days, not five days? Here's the reason why. When it came to the inspection of dead people, when it came to the declarations of, of, of what was going on with people when they died and began to decompose and, and all these things, four days was the exact amount of time that the religious leaders said, this is, the, the spirit cannot come back to this body. Four days means, you, you thought, he's dead, yes, but four days means it's over. And a change has already started, and that was kind of some things that people were believing about at that time about the spirit hanging around the body, you know, until it started decomposing. Maybe it would come back into the body. Four days, not coming back in. That's what Jesus' timing is about here. He's making sure that Lazarus is not only dead, but declared dead without any hope, no spirit going back into the body. They didn't, he doesn't want anybody to say, well, he, he just wasn't dead. He's officially dead. And so finally, Jesus is coming to Bethany. And Martha, being Martha, 
goes out, gets up and, and goes out to, uh, to meet Jesus and his disciples. And uh, you may remember from Luke chapter 10, uh, we kind of get this little story about Jesus teaching in the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus. They were brothers and sisters. They were obviously a little bit younger, maybe Jesus' age. I don't know. And they were obviously wealthy because all these Jews from Jerusalem come out for the, the, um, the, uh, the, to console them and to mourn. And he has a tomb that's been carved into a rock with a big stone. These are pretty important people. And Jesus was, you know, teaching in their house one time and Martha. Martha is the, the, the busy person. You know, Martha is serving, Martha, Martha in motion. She's serving, she's helping, and uh, she's the doer. And Mary, when Jesus starts teaching, Mary just sits at the feet of Jesus and she is contemplating every word that Jesus says. And Martha actually complained to Jesus about Mary not helping her. And Jesus told Martha... Martha, you're so uptight. And you're so busy. Chill out. While I'm teaching, this is what we ought to be doing. Mary has chosen the best. So, it's not surprising that Martha rushes out to Jesus. Mary's just kind of crumpled back in her room. You know, just kind of inert. And she goes out to the city limit sign, and she waits for Jesus... And um, and she brings up the issue of timing. The first thing she says to Jesus, if you would have been here four days ago, you are late and I am crushed. If you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. And, um, you know, lest you kind of get upset with Martha, it's exactly what we do with God when, when hard things happen in our life. We're like, God, where were you? I mean, don't you say that? I mean, maybe you don't verbalize it. Maybe you don't have like a formal pray, Lord, where were you? Maybe it's something you're just, you're just thinking, but God is hearing you. How could you have let this thing happen, God? Why didn't you prevent this? Well, we get this. But I'm going to tell you something about Martha's question about Jesus' timing. There's so much faith in this question. I mean, she is so crushed. She is so disappointed. But she has this amazing faith still. She still believes in Jesus. She still is right there with Jesus. You know why? Because it's true. He could have healed her brother. And she knew he was the Messiah. In fact, you know, he says... Do you believe? I believe that you are the Christ, the one that, is, that, that has been sent from God, has come into the world. And um, verse 22, even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And that's not a statement of doubt in the midst of her hardship, in the midst of her disappointment and grief. That's a statement of faith. And you know, we can... Uh, We can ask hard questions with our hearts. God can handle it while we believe. But we'll get more of that with Mary in a moment. Jesus says to Martha, your brother will rise again. And and, and Martha takes it the wrong way. Martha says, 
almost like this. Yeah, yeah, I know that in the last day, you know, that's the belief that, that in the day when, when God wraps up history, I know, no, yeah, I know, thank you so much. It's kind of like when we say to people at a funeral, you know, he's in a better place. Yeah, yeah, I know. Your brother will rise again. Yeah, yeah, I know. In the last day, he is, he's going to rise again. But, but Jesus is, is talking about his timing. And it's now. He waited four days. And, and, and when it comes to the resurrection, the timing is now. And Jesus is saying this. All that power that you see in the great and terrible day of the Lord that's reserved for the last day when, when God will right all the wrongs, when, when God will come and, and settle all the accounts and, and raise His people and, and be with His people, all that power that you're talking about, yeah, 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 one day I realize my brother will rise from the dead, all that power is here right now. The kingdom of God is at hand right now. I have brought forward in me all that power I am that power now. I will use it now. I've got power over nature. And she knew this. She knew about these miracles. I've got power over sickness. I've got power over demons. And I've got power over death. I've got power over everything. Look at verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. This is so important. It's the fifth I am statement in John. I know one day I'll be here. No, I am right now. I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, more on this later. But let me just get back to, we think God is late. We have a hard time trusting God's timing. We just wonder whether God really knows what He's doing. We know exactly what He's supposed to do. We know exactly when He's supposed to do it. And when things don't suit our schedule, we're not sure we want to, you know, just kind of check off on that. But Jesus did not rebuke Martha for her words. Um, it's not sinful to, to tell God how... How you feel. Um, he's not late. You know, if you would just take an inventory, maybe later today, just, just maybe just get alone. Write this down on your bulletin. Think about your life and all the time you thought God was late and didn't come through for you and how it was the difference maker and it was the very thing that gave you what you needed. You have to look back sometimes. Uh, to see this. And, um, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, that has definitely been the case in my life. God has just not been with the program at times in my life. And um, he wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. And it was so good. First job, the first call I ever had out of seminary. As far as I know, I was the second to the last person in my seminary class to get a job. You see, God wasn't with the program. I was supposed to go do one thing, and it kind of fell through. I'm like, what? But there was a second thing that I could do, and it fell through. It's a good thing I was single and didn't need any money. And could like live in, like move in with David Baird. Some of y'all know me. I moved in with him for free because I was broke. 
God, what in the world are you doing? Well, what he was doing is about a, a year later, he took me to a place called First Presbyterian Church of Augusta, Georgia, and I became an assistant pastor with young adults. And, and uh, one of my responsibilities was the singles, and the day that I got there, I met a girl named Gina Smith, I met my wife because God wasn't on my timetable. You know, I'm standing right here before you. And I'm not going to tell this story. The reason I'm standing here is God wasn't with the program. And I'm so glad. Y'all, we can trust God in His timing. Jesus said, this is for the glory of God. This is so they will see who I am. This is so faith will be built into their lives. And that's what He's doing in your life too. So trust Him with His timing. Secondly, we can trust Him, you can trust Him with your heart. And this is Mary. You know, she's the, Martha's the steel magnolia. She's the indefatigable person that's going to power through, right? Mary's the one that's going to be tender and is going to weep. Well, Jesus didn't rebuke Martha even. It's okay to tell God how you feel. One scholar says the feelings themselves are not always right. But they are feelings that need to be brought honestly before a God who cares. And God is more patient and accepting than we realize. You believe that? You don't have to clean it up for God. Just, just say, God, I'm, I'm really disappointed. You're not with the program or whatever you want to tell God. And God is much more gracious. You can trust your heart to God even when your heart is screaming at God. So let's look at Mary. Mary's grieving is different from Martha. Martha's in motion. She's going to grieve by doing. You know, um, she's going to keep busy to cope. I'm sure you don't know anybody like that. And Mary, no, Mary's going to have this deep inward grief. And, uh, you know, we would say Martha's going to have issues one day because <laughs> she didn't grieve deeply. Let people grieve the way they want to. Sidebar, when something bad happens, lay off. If people want to grieve by doing to cope, let them If people want to grieve by crying and and they can't talk, let them. If people want to grieve for a year, let them. One day it will be you. And we'll let you. And that's what's going on here. Uh, Martha leaves Jesus to go get Mary. Mary immediately goes out to see Jesus. The, The mourners, all these Jews from Jerusalem, go with her. And instead of talking first and, and kind of laying it out, uh, she falls at his feet and she is just wailing. All of this emotion, all of this hurt, all of this disappointment is just rolling, just pouring out of Mary. And she says the same thing Mary says, just from a different angle. Lord, if, if you just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus kind of gives Martha theology. Your brother will rise again. Yes, I know it's not the I am the resurrection and the life. You know, Martha's kind of on that cognitive level. She's tough and he get you know what he gives Mary? His tears. The Son of God gives Mary 
His tears. She's the tender one. Verse 34. Where have you laid him? Jesus asked. Verse 35. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Y'all do know he knows everything, right? You do know he understands Lazarus is about to come out of the tomb. Don't you find that funny? Don't you find that a little odd? Don't you find that a little interesting that Jesus already knowing that there's going to be this beautiful and bright ending weeps? What is this about? And the Jews see him and and they say, oh, look how much he loved Lazarus. I just love all the details, you know, in these accounts. I love a God who is moved, moved for me in my pain. I'm glad God is not some far away, stoic, know-it-all, therefore impervious God enters into your pain. I mean, this, this, is, this is so amazing. I need a high priest who can sympathize with me, who hurts with me, who weeps with me. Even though, even though he knows what's coming, Jesus enters into Mary's Grief, Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. You wonder why God sympathizes with you? Because God became you. God was sad. God the Son was hungry. God the Son was thirsty. God the Son went through every range of human experience that you have gone through But the difference is without sin. And so when you bring your hurt to Him, He gets it. He's able to sympathize with you and and empathize with you. And and you know, it's, it's amazing. Jesus doesn't just weep for Mary. He weeps with Mary. What? Hallelujah, what a Savior! He weeps with her. You know, some of the most difficult moments, psychologically at least, in life, are the most difficult moments in parenting. And um, for those of you that are being parented, trust me on this. Um, Because, you see, as parents, we kind of see a little bit more of the aerial view of what's going on in the lives of our children. And there are are times when we can see that our child is about to go through some hard things. Or it's already starting to happen. Or they're getting, you know, a tough time from these people. Or or they're not going to get chosen for the cheer team. Or they're not going to start on, you know, whatever it is. And we're starting to see this, unless you're a helicopter parent, that is. And I I think I mentioned a couple years ago, I I learned two more categories in case you're interested. The bulldozer parent 
that just bulldozes in front and we never have to be a helicopter because we just bulldoze everything out of the way. And then the one I love, the drone parrot, that just destroys anything that reacts badly to my child. But you're not like that, parents. You see these things. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's failure. And you know that you cannot always swing in on a chandelier and keep your child from experiencing pain. You know. And, and, and you know that if you wrap your child in bubble wrap and are always quick to prevent him or her from ever having to negotiate a fallen world or ever have to overcome difficulties, that they're going through, you know your child will not be a very able adult. And we wish we could rush in every time. But we know we can't. And we don't. We delay our presence. You know when we come in? We come in after the hurt. After the rejection. But our hearts are with them at every moment. And we know that our delay is the only way for them to grow and mature. And sometimes when we come in and they're hurting, we literally weep with them. But we always want what is best for them. And we always enter into their little hearts and lives um, out of this love. And our children are supposed to be able to trust their hearts to us. And when we violate their trust, we say we're sorry. How much more Our Lord who knows everything. (laughs) He knows all things. And He loves us so much more fully than we will ever think about loving our children. You know, I've just got this prayer I've prayed for my own children their whole life. And it goes like this. Lord... I'm I'm taking them to the Father in prayer. That's all that I'm not. Would you be the Father that is all that I am not? Parents, do y'all get this? And and, and y'all, He is that Father. And and He is the one. and, And He is the one even in the lives of precious, our children. That allows them to go through things. That allows them to learn and negotiate a fallen world. To build this thing called faith. That without it, we cannot please God. And with it, all things are possible. That the Lord wants to do in their lives. How much more? Sometimes God delays and comes to us after the issue and he is there with us. That's what's going on here. The timing is not what they wanted it to be. He's 
there after the issue. He enters into their pain. You can trust God with his timing. It is all for his glory, Jesus says. It is all to build our faith. And secondly, you can trust him with your heart. But lastly, you can trust God with your life. So Mary led them and the the mourners, the Jews and the professional mourners. They all go to the tomb and Martha joins them at the tomb. And Jesus, when we get to the tomb and there's this big group of people by this time, he commands them who somebody, the men, somebody to move away the stone. Martha still does not quite understand what's going on here, even after the resurrection and the life. And, um, and Martha says, Lord, no. No. You know, it's going to be Martha that does this. No, no, Lord. He has been there four days, and, and he, there's going to be a bad odor from decomposition. Y'all, some of y'all are familiar with the King James Version. He stinketh. It's what the King James Version says. Martha's basically saying, no, why make this any harder than it has to be? Roll away the stone. Did I not tell you, Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? They roll away the stone. And then Jesus prays, Lord, thank you that you always hear me. And then he prays and says, kind of like, something like, God, I'm just kind of doing this so they'll hear, they'll hear me talking to you so that they'll understand that I'm the one. That I'm the, the one who was sent and they'll believe that I'm the Messiah. And so he, he has this prayer and then he stands up and he says this, Lazarus, come out. This is an unbelievable moment. And I mean, the next thing you know, There's like this mummified dude standing in the doorway (laughs) and out in the sunlight. I mean, this is incredible. It is the glory of God. It is life conquering death because of Jesus. (laughs) Verse 44. Unbind him. And let him go. Get that mummy unwrapped. <laughs> he doesn't need to be in there anymore. And um, can you see the sisters crying and laughing and laughing and crying and unwrapping? I'm sure they just unwrapped his face first. I hope they did. I mean, can you see this moment? Can you see them hugging Their brother, who's come back to life. This is an explosion of glory. This is a preview of Easter. And the sisters and all the Jewish mourners get to see it live and in person. I would love to be able to watch slow motion with a split screen the two faces of the sisters when that mummy first appeared in the doorway. Can you just see? I, I, I do it. <laughs> Look, they went through incredible suffering 
solely because Jesus waited. You understand, Jesus put them through incredible suffering, including the death of their brother. But now, their faith is bolstered. And now, there is an understanding of the true identity of Jesus in such a way that would not have been possible solely by Jesus appearing four days earlier and healing their brother. And, maybe the punchline in the whole thing, this, this is the thing. This is the thing that so many people witnessed and began to tell everybody what Jesus of Nazareth had done in raising a man from four days officially end of story dead right out of the tomb and this is only days before the feast of Passover two miles away in Jerusalem and this is only days before the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ on the back of a colt of a donkey with palm branches waving and why were the crowds there because of this Because of the raising of Lazarus, why were they so convinced that Christ had the power, that Christ was the Messiah? Because of this, Hosanna, save now is what it means. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. It all is because Jesus delayed And came four days too late. All of this happens. Palm Sunday. Do you see it? Do you see maybe God's a little bit more of a multitasker than you thought? Maybe God's focused not just on your life even, but on the lives of other people and on the kingdom and on the movement of the gospel. And who knows what concerning the building of your faith and the faith of other people. I don't know. I can't answer for God's timing. I just know we need to trust in His timing. Let me just finally say, in Him we too are raised Um, He doesn't just resurrect people in the last day. He is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in Him, uh, whoever believes in Him and dies will live again. And whoever believes, you know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Whoever believes in Him who's living will never die. Okay? I love hearing that on tape. Every once in a while I painfully go through that just to kind of go, ooh, we need to do better at that. Um, At the cross, Jesus took care of our sin problem with God. That's what the cross is. He wiped away what stands between us and God. He did it all for us. We don't have to do it. And by faith we put our trust in Him. In the empty tomb, in His resurrection, He rises from the dead. He defeats death and He gives eternal life, new life, right now. To all who believe, because He is the resurrection, He is the life, and to believe in Him is to be raised now. 
into a brand new life that will last forever. And one day, you will die physically. All of us hate to tell you that. But one day, you will, if you put your trust in you will transcend physical death and be immediately in the presence of God forever. And one, one day, longer than that day, I suppose... Your body will be raised and remade and you will be given an entirely new life in a new Jerusalem, in a new heaven and a new earth with this same Savior that said, come out. He'll give you all of that. The last thing he said to Martha is simply this. Do you believe this? Do you? He's got this thing. He's got it. All of it. Trust in His timing for you. Trust your heart to Him. And trust Him for your life. Let's pray. Lord, this is amazing. We spend our whole life trying to find life, trying to pump life into our life. And you have come to give us life and that more abundantly. You have come not only so that we and our sin could be nailed to a cross, but you've come so that we might be raised into newness of life. If you've never Put your trust in what Christ has done for you on the cross and in the empty tomb. But you get it. And you know you can't barter your way to God. You can't be good enough to be accepted by a holy God. You just want to lay all that down. You pray with me. Lord, I want to turn from everything I've called Christianity. I want to turn from everything that I've called religion and put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me on the cross and in the empty tomb as the resurrection and the life. Thank you that even now you've given me new life. Even now you have forgiven me of all my sins, past, present, and future. Even now you've given me your Holy Spirit. Even now you've adopted me into your family. Lord, would you keep me close to you? And would you build my faith? even if it requires pain and trust at times in my life. Lord, there are many of us who have walked with you for quite some time, and we get focused on us. After all, it is our life. And we forget that you're the ultimate multitasker, and you are working all things for your glory and for our good and for the growth of our faith. Lord, things didn't go the way we wanted it to go in our lives, maybe in the life of our family, maybe in our job, maybe in school, maybe things didn't happen that we wanted to happen, or maybe some really, really hard things happened. Maybe we're held hostage emotionally by them. Would you be willing to lay it down and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to agree that what I've been through or going through, you're allowing. 
And rather than simply being angry at you, I'm going to turn to you. And I ask you to work in my life. And I ask you to build my faith. And I ask you to bring glory to you through me. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.